I just thank Jesus tonight that I'm saved and I'm here in the company of people that are saved. Praise God. Because we used to run around with people that we didn't trust. Amen. They may have told you they were your homies, but you had to watch your back sometimes. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> that ain't even my message. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. But if you <laughs> turn to the Word of God, <laughs> to the book of Nehemiah, amen, fourth chapter. Going to preach a little bit here tonight, and this is what my father used to call a loosely packed crowd, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Getting right into this, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 says this, but it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the walls of Jer Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth, very mad, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. How many knows the devil wants to hinder you? Praise God. He knows he can't stop you if you got faith and you're trusting God, so he wants to hinder you. But he said, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Thank you for the encouragement. That wasn't encouragement, it was actually discouragement, but... A lot of times people say things and they're trying to deter you, but they don't realize that they're discouraging you. But I can tell you, the faithful in God cannot be discouraged. He says, therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons and fight for your daughters and your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. And it came to pass that from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laded, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. Let me just finish this. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, that the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one from another. In what place thereof ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye hither, 
thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one of us, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes saving that everyone put them off for washing. You don't ever take your armor off. Amen. (laughs) Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God, and I pray that you help me, that you anoint me, that you speak through me, that you minister to this congregation tonight. And God, speak this wonderful word unto them and bring encouragement to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And I ask you and thank you. Amen. And amen. I'm preaching a message tonight entitled Building and Fighting. Building and Fighting. And if you know the Word of God, you know that Nehemiah was one of the few that were leaders, that had a vision, that came back to see Jerusalem rebuilt after the 70 years of captivity. And that's all I'm going to say about that part of it because we know enough about the Word of God that God promised through Jeremiah that yes, they would be in 70 years of captivity because of their sin, but there would come a moment and a day and a time when God would release them and they would go back. And it started with Ezra. It started with many others that we see and read in the Word of God. But here is a time when Nehemiah was led by God, led by the Spirit of God into Jerusalem and 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 God began to use him to begin rebuilding and see the restoration of Jerusalem and Israel at that time. And I'm preaching a message tonight as I said building and fighting because there are seasons in the Bible with Israel where they built and at other times where they fought. There were times of peace where they were able to build and plant and be at peace. And then there were times whenever they were in war. And you can read that throughout the history. And then there were times it seems like that they were uh, at, at the place where they were doing both. Where they were fighting and they were building. David was one that was trying to establish the kingdom. But he was fighting at the same time. And so we know that God brings us in seasons where we go through times where we're, where we're at peace. And where we're just building and things are well. But then there comes a time whenever we're at a time where we're fighting. And sometimes we're doing both. Can you say amen? I believe that we're, we're, a lot of us are at that place there tonight. And that's my message to us all. Because I believe we are at this place in history in the church where we are warring and we are working. Where we are building and we are fighting. Jude said, because it's a central theme in the Word of God, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. In other words, fight for it, contend for it. But he also said, build yourself up on this most holy faith. Amen? He said, build yourself up. He said, be full of the Holy Ghost. He said, keep yourself in the love of God. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So he was working and building. But also he said, fight the good fight of faith. And he said, war a good warfare. No man, amen, I can tell you, doesn't consider that he's going to war and count the cost and know that there is a a, a, a warfare that we have and it's going to cost us something. He told him, war a good warfare. He said, 
Unto him endure hardness like a good soldier because you're going to be in war. But he also told him go into all the world. Well, Jesus said that, but he said go and be, do the work of an evangelist and begin to, to, to preach the gospel. Peter said add to your faith, so build upon your faith. Uh, you know, these things enlarge it, increase it, advance it, see virtuous things come. But he also said there's a roaring lion that's seeking to devour you, so you've got to be sober, you've got to be vigilant, and you've got to know that your adversary is there trying to take you out. So what am I saying to you? That many places in the Bible the apostles said, you're going to war, but you're also going to be working. You're going to be preaching the gospel. But it's a warfare out there. It's a wilderness out there. Even Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, I send you as sheep among wolves. you got to be careful because you're being thrown out into a, into a lion's den, so to speak. But he said, go into all the world and be as wise as serpent and gentle as doves. Go and preach the gospel because there's... There is something I've called you to do. As Christians, we are builders, but we are also warriors and soldiers. Are you with me tonight? We're warriors and we're soldiers. Amen. Sometimes you feel you're only building. Other times you feel like I'm just fighting all the time and it seems like I'm constantly in a battle against the enemy. God is encouraging us tonight with a word for us. Don't be overwhelmed. Know that you're not the only one that's ever been fighting and working at the same time. Building and in a warfare at the same time. So do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you in the fight. He's with you in the building. In fact, He called you to building for such a time as this. And you are built for this. You and I were built for this time. God purposed you and I to be here in this time. We were built for it. We were prepared for it. He's ordained us to be here. So quit saying, I wish I would have lived 40 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. God called you at one of the best times in history to go into all the world. And you're going to fight, but you're also going to work. He's developing us. A lot of times people say, why am I in this? It seems like, you know, I want to just work. I don't really want to fight. But it goes hand in hand at times. He's developing us. Nobody is born a soldier or a builder. They become that. They become that. Nobody's born a soldier. They go through boot camp to become a soldier. They answer an enlistment to become a soldier. And they go through and they come out on the other side a different person. Come on. Nobody's born a builder. They learn how to become that. God establishes that in them. I had a man just yesterday ask me, the, the young man that helps train me, and he's helping me to try to get in shape, and we're praying about that. But he said to me, he said, how do you become a pastor? How did you know that you were to call to be a pastor? Now, he didn't say call. He said, how do you become a pastor? I said, well, some people go to theological school. And I said, I'm not saying that that's not important. I said, but we need to have a call from God. You're called of God. There's a lot of people 
that, you know, get educated and they think that's all they need. But what we need is a call from God because if God didn't call you, He won't anoint you to do it. But what He's called you and anointed you to, He's equipped you for, He's called you to, you're the man. Or you're the woman that's called to do that. And I said, but there's people that want to do that as a profession. It's not a profession, it's a call. If it was a profession, I would have quit a long time ago. But it's a call. God said, you can't leave. I called you. Because if you leave and you don't do and finish the work I've called you to, then you're in disobedience. And you're going to stand before me and people's blood will drip from your hands because you didn't obey my voice. So you have to be called to that. I don't have a degree in theology, but I do have one in neology. You hear me? Because I get down on my knees and pray it through. What Bible school did you go to? I said the same one the Apostle Paul went to. Amen. He's developing you and I. These Jews were builders in the making, soldiers in boot camp. Let us glean from their experiences. What do we glean, Pastor? Number one, anything to advance the kingdom of God is going to cost you. Anything to advance the kingdom of God is going to cost you. If you want advancement in your family and you want your family that's lost and undone and wicked, some of them, it's going to cost you. You're going to get on your face and you're going to pray it through to victory. You can speak to your blue in the face, but except God begins to deal with them, they're not going to come to Christ. But if you get on your face and you begin to deal with them, He will draw them by His Spirit. It wasn't that long ago we were having prayer meeting, and there was somebody about two or three years ago that God put upon my heart, and I got down over there and I began to weep and cry on a Monday night, and I said, God, deal with their heart. Draw them because I know that you want them to have more. I want them to experience your presence. And the very next morning, they were sitting in here at 6 o'clock in the morning. God taught me something that I already knew. He said, you're not going to do it by your words because your words are nothing except I anoint them. But he said, when, I, when you pray, you're praying in the secret place and I'm rewarding it openly. So, you have to understand there's a cost. I want somebody to grow in the Lord. Begin to pray for them. Because you're going to say things to them that's going to make them mad. But when God deals with them whenever nobody even talked to them, then He gets the glory and the only one they can get mad at is Him. And you can't get mad at God. Oh, well, people said, I, I don't care what people said. If they say you get mad at God or I'm angry at God or I had to forgive God, you need to tell me you need to get on your face and repent. Because I can tell you right now, God's God. The reason people are foolish and say those kind of things is because they do not understand the fear of the Lord. We must have the fear of God. Not a fear that is, 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 is not the right kind of fear, but a fear that He's a thrice holy God. He can put my backside in hell. If But for the grace of God, I'd be there tonight. He's a God of grace and mercy. It's foolish to say, I had to forgive God. No, you didn't. You need to ask God to forgive you, you heathen. Come on now. Don't you realize that you're just an ant in the, uh, in the, in the eyes of God? Think about me being who I am and a little old ant telling me, you, I need to forgive you. Really? 
Now, God doesn't do that, and I'm not saying that he's, that's the way he is. I'm telling you the stupidity of people that don't realize who God is. You know, I saw just a video of this, this, this uh, man who's supposed to be over this church that just is, you know, 31 flavors. Whatever, whoever, whenever. You know, God's this, God's that, God's this, God's gay, God's trans, God's... No, he's not. No, he's not. When he began to say all this stuff, lightning went like that. And I thought, I'd get up and run out of that building. What God was saying is, you better listen to what you're saying. I could strike you dead right here and right now. Come on now. I'm not any of those things that you've lied to those people and said, I am. I'm a holy God. I'm a holy God. We need to glean from their experiences that we read here in the Word and know that to advance the kingdom of God is going to cost. And the alternative is the status quo in its rubble, broken walls, and gates because that's where it was. If we don't move in and pay the price, if we don't step out in faith, which is defined as R-I-S-K, did you hear me? Because people say, I stepped out in faith. You don't step out in faith unless it costs you something. Amen. You don't step out in faith the easy way. You don't go into, that's why Nehemiah went. And yeah, there were those with him, but he understood something. He knew, except the Lord goes with me, I'm on my own. God has to help me. I can have an army as big as Dallas, but I have to have the power of God because God can take out 185,000 people in one second. That's what happened in the Bible. He can take out an army of a multitude of masses of people. But, oh my goodness, let me catch my breath. There is an alternative to not paying the price and advancing the kingdom. And it's letting things stay as they are. Yeah, we can let them stay in their lost condition and not talk to them. We can let them stay in their bound up condition and not pray for them. But I can tell you they're going to be in the rubble. They're going to be in the wasteland. They're going to be at a place where it's just the same thing over and over. And they're in despair. And God doesn't get glory out of people living in a place of, 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 of disobedience and a place of destruction you got to look at people and say, I know they're a drug addict, but they can be set free and be a testimony for Christ. I know they don't seem to have anything going for them. And they, you know, their whole life is just a big old train wreck of a mess or tore up from the floor up. But I know that born again, they can be something for the kingdom of God and bring glory to God. What you and I have to understand is that even though we see in them or see in the situation like with Israel. Everything's just a mess. It seems hopeless. you got to understand there's a promise that's awaiting activation. God wants to activate His promise. That was so weak. God wants to activate His promise. And He activates His promise through His people. Amen. He activates His promise through His people. You know... I remember Ron Hudson telling me he was in a meeting back in the 40s or 50s. And he said he went over. And there was a man sitting in a wheelchair. Or a woman, I forget. But he said he went over there and he said the Holy Spirit told him. I believe it was a woman. said, told her, get up. Just get up. You know. 
and, and, and fear come upon him. But Lord, what if that's just me? What if it's not you? What if it's God? Amen. And he went over there. He said, you want to be healed? Get up. And he said, the woman stood up and God healed her right there out of that wheelchair. And the whole church was in revival because somebody awaiting the promise saw it activated by action. Faith means you got to step out. Come on. In chapter 2, verse 17, listen to this. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 17, Then said I unto them, this is Nehemiah, You see the distresses that we are in, and how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the walls of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So strengthened, they strengthened their hands for this good work. I love this. Yes, the vision was given to Nehemiah. Listen, church, I'm going to give you some good stuff here tonight. Yes, the vision was given to Nehemiah, but it's always for a purpose that's bigger than one man. God spoke a vision to me in 1999 to start this church, but I didn't realize it was bigger than one man until years later. It's much bigger than me. You have caught that vision. And many of you are doing what God put in my heart to go into this city and be a lighthouse and win people and see them come off of drugs, see them come out of the streets, see them come out of the homelessness, see them come out of all of the things that the devil tries and or has them bound by and in captivity. He said, go. He said, I've told you to go and preach and see those prison doors opened. But one, the vision that God gave Nehemiah was bigger than just Nehemiah. Amen. Without a vision, people perish. The Bible says, if you don't have a vision for your family, it'll perish. If you don't have a vision for your marriage, it'll perish. Everybody should have a... a, Vision retreat for themselves every year where you take a few days and you get away and you say, this is what I want to see. Well, you get the mind of God and he tells you what he wants to see, but then you say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I want my family to be closer to God. I want my children, grandchildren, neighbors to be saved. I want this and that. This is my heart's cry. You need, I want a, a greater marriage. I want a more, uh, you know, intimate marriage. I want a more spiritual marriage. I want my wife and I to grow in your grace. I want us to be, you know, powerhouses for the kingdom of God. I want to please you. Amen, God. I want to be a worshiper. I want to give more than I've ever given. I want to be a worker. That's fighting for the kingdom and working for the kingdom. We got to have a vision for our families, a vision for our home, a vision for our church. And you've got a visionary. I got a vision. And it's to see God move and save people and disciple people. It's bigger than one person, bigger than one man. God's vision started with Nehemiah's burden. 
but it was God's heart. My city's in ruin. He desires. His desire, rather, is to remove the distress, the waste places, the reproach, and rebuild and restore. People come and they say, this marriage is over. There's nothing left. Well, Sister Skiles and I learned a long time ago that you can fight for anything. You must fight for it. You must fight for it. How many times, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but how many times have people in their marriages said, I'm done, and I'm done, and I'm walking away, and I'm not going to fight for it. I can tell you that you ought to fight for it. Praise God. You need to fight for it. It's going to cost you to build it. It's going to cost you investment. And it's also going to cost you fighting the devil tooth and toenail and coming against every thought that comes to tell you to walk away and to quit and give up. It's not worth it. And the devil will tell you, you can get somebody else. Let me tell you, you may get somebody else, but you're going to end up with somebody worse than the one you've got. You ought to stay with what you've got and let God do something of salvation and restoration in that marriage. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody tonight. There's people in here and down deep inside, you have had thoughts and you have had things that have come across your mind and your spirit that the devil has brought across your mind and your spouse doesn't even know. Don't tell them. Take it to God and crucify it. Doesn't he know how good I look? Doesn't she know what she's got? Folks, the devil's a liar. Newsflash. He's a liar. See, what happens is people get out there. I know I'm on a bunny trail right now, but people get out there, and they realize how much garbage is really out there. Look, Pastor, it's, I'm telling you, you know, 20 years ago, before you had all this internet dating sites and all these things, you had to go and you had to meet somebody. And, you, you know, you shook their hand and you saw their body language. You found out if they were a creep or not. Now you see their best picture on Facebook and you're like, wow, they look great. They look like that five years ago. They don't look like that today. Catfish, Okay. <laughs> And it's worse, and I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to tell you right now. Maybe I will go there. Stay off of those sites. Stay off of those sites. You don't know who's going to show up at your door. You don't know who is going to take you for everything you've got. Come on now. Oh, they tell you all kinds of things. Oh, my my God, come on. I'm going to move on here. Praise God. His desire, God's desire, is to remove the distresses and the waste places and the reproach and rebuild and restore. That is what God was after through Nehemiah. Nehemiah had to see it and have the first vision. And then he went and he began to espouse that, uh, that vision and began to give it and impart it to the people. And they got behind him. 
They got behind him. If somebody's got faith and they're not, they're not afraid to lay it all on the line. And that was Nehemiah. He wasn't afraid to stand in the face of the king and be sad and put himself out there. Because if you're going to step out in faith, you can never do it the safe way. Never. Oh, pastor, how can you say that? Because I did it. I quit my job. I walked off of my job. I left everything. I walked away from my ministries. I walked, and everybody looked at me, and they said, you're a fool. From my employment, even to people in ministry, they looked at me, and they said, you're crazy. You're throwing away your ministry, everything that you've sown to. And I said to them, but God called me. I cannot do it the safe way. I have to do it the way God told me. And when you make a decision and he says they put all in, I'm in. When you got skin in the game, God's not going to let you have more skin than he's got. The problem is a lot of people don't have any skin in the game. Come on. Verse 18, he reminds them of what God said. It's faith. It's the promise and faith that births or begets faith. I remember whenever I was coming into this building, and we were just at the one building here. We had 2,000 square feet, and that was everything to me. I'm telling you, it cost me everything. And I remember thinking, Lord, this is so expensive, but I'm going to trust you. And I don't know where the money's going to come from, but I'm going to trust you. And Cleta Cook came up, and she said, I'm behind you. God spoke to me. I said, oh, praise God. He spoke to me to give you a portion of my inheritance. I said, oh, I can tell you she's got an inheritance in glory today because of the check that she wrote for this church. Mike Almanza giving me that, you know, suburban and saying, sell it. And I sold it. And we were able to come into this building. And we were able to, you know, fix it and make it a church. Because somebody said, I'm behind you, Pastor. You've got a vision, but I'm behind you. I know that we can't do anything without an investment. There is no blessing without a sacrifice. God promised them that. Their faith encouraged my faith. And I started out saying, this is what we're going to do. You know, the devil hates growth. He don't mind infection growth. But he don't want Holy Ghost growth. He don't want, uh, you know, character growth. He doesn't want you to grow in faith or grow as a Christian. He hates growth. And people that are built up. And people that are restored. And people that are strong. When people come to remind you of what you used to be, just tell them, you know what, God forgave that. He threw it in the sea. He doesn't remember it. Why do you? (laughs) I had a friend of mine in high school when I went back years later. You know, just sharing with people, they don't know nothing about my life 25 years later. Got a church, serving God, seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. They don't know nothing about my life. Told them I'm pastoring and this and that. Oh my gosh, I just can't believe God saved you. I was like, me either. I mean, sorry that you thought I was so horrible, and I know I was, but but I can tell you right now, he loves me. 
Amen. He's got high hopes for me. He's got faith in me. Amen. And I've got faith in him. But please, church, let's build people up. Let's encourage them. Let's begin to strengthen them. Because the devil hates growth. The devil hates restoration. The devil hates when you're strong or built up. That's why he's always trying to come against your source of strength, your prayer life, you being in the word, your faithfulness. That's why he's always trying to keep you out of the house of God. Uh huh. That's why Satan convinces people stay in the rubble, remain unforgiving, remain holding grudges, remain resentful and jealous. As if that somehow makes you of a superior character. Pride is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Amen. And people, a lot of times there's pride and things that they say are righteous indignation. No, it's not. Amen. I only saw Jesus one time, two times flip over those tables in righteous indignation. He was very upset because they were defiling the house of God. <laughs> Let me tell you something, don't ever make Jesus anything he's not. Don't ever make God something that he's not. But we need to understand something that God is calling us to be like Christ. We may fail at it, but we ought to try every day. We ought to put our hands to the plow and begin to, you know, strive to be like Christ. Strive to walk in his spirit. Strive to carry and walk in his character. God's in the rebuilding, restoring business. And they never had a fight until they started building. Do you think about that? You never had a fight till you surrendered your life to the Lord. People in your family never came against you until you started serving God. And now all of a sudden, they're your arch enemy. Amen. I know I got saved and I come home and people were mad. I thought, Lord, if you knew where I was and what I did, you wouldn't be so mad. Amen. Come on now. But you get saved and then all of a sudden everybody turns on you. Your best friend, or I shouldn't say best friend, but the person that loved you on the job, all of a sudden now doesn't want to sit by you, doesn't want to talk to you, doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Did you ever notice that? I always tell people, you don't have to get rid of their friends. Just serve Jesus and be real and serious and they'll get rid of you. They'll either get right or they'll leave. Man, you know I'm telling you the truth. The great attack upon you and I. Because remember, we're building and we're warring at the same time. But the greatest attack that we have that we're up against is, is that of unbelief. In chapter 4, i got to move on here, man. In verse 1, it says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, he was mad, and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Mocked them. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Let me give you a piece of advice today, believer. You that may even be struggling. I read in the word of God, he said, A smoking flax and a bruised reed he will not despise. He's not going to come over and go, Well, they're not on fire. They're feeble, so I'll just put it out. No, God protects that. He sees you in your feebleness. He sees you in your broken down. 
ground is trying to build again, trying to fight against that which has come against you. He sees you, and he's not going to put out that flax. He's not going to say, you know what, let's just smother it. No, he's going to do everything he can do to blow upon it, put some oil upon it, begin to breathe upon you. When you're bruised, he's not going to come over and kick you when you're down. I've even had people come up and they said, Pastor, you need to kick him to the curb. I said, hey, hey, did God kick you to the curb? I don't see you in the gutter, brother. And believe me, you had some kickable offenses. Aren't you thankful I put my arm around you and God put his arm around you and he loved you? But Sanballat attacks and he attacks to bring unbelief. You've got to get this. His attack came to bring discouragement, which is unbelief. Did you hear me? Because when you're discouraged, you don't believe what God has said about your situation. I'm not encouraged by the word. I'm discouraged even though I know what God said. I've been saying it and I'll say it again. It's not deception until you believe the lie. The lie may come, but until you believe it. You're just fighting against a devil that's bringing accusation and bringing lies. But Sanballat's attack was to bring unbelief. Discouragement is unbelief. Fear is a form of unbelief. We cannot believe the lie. Intimidation is unbelief. Because you forgot who you were in Christ. The closer you get to God, the more confident you will be. Not conceited, confident. I'm confident. Amen. Amen. If I'm conceited, I'm going to say a lot of things to try to defend myself. But if I'm confident, you can say whatever you want to say, and I'm going to stand there and be like, you know what? I got my armor on. Amen. I know what God says about me, and I know how I feel about him. Hallelujah. But all things are possible. All things are possible. God called them to a cause. He called them to a purpose. He called Nehemiah to stir up the the people of Israel and the Jews for a purpose. And Sanballat is a type of the devil's devices, his accusations and his intimidation to get us to miss the mark. Because unbelief is sin and it's missing the mark. So don't believe the lie. Believe what God says. Only believe that all things are possible. He mocked the Jews, Sanballat did. He called them feeble Jews. Will they fortify? Will they actually be established with walls? Yes, they will. And yes, they did. Will they sacrifice? Will they be at a place where God will actually hear them? Have you ever seen somebody get right with God and somebody would say, Well, you know what? I don't even know if they're right with God. You don't know their heart. You don't know how they prayed. You don't know the cry that they've cried out to God. Will they sacrifice? Will they hear from God? Will they receive from God worship? I mean, will they receive? Will God receive their worship as acceptable unto Him? I can tell you, in Christ, as you worship God and you realize that you're nothing and He's everything, He will accept the worship in Christ. They said to me when we started this church, another church in La Habra, what will you do that somebody else hasn't done? I said, I I have one vision, and that's to bring life to this city. That's to bring life to this city. 
And everywhere I went, I took the life of God with me. I don't care if I was talking to gang members on the street. I don't care if I was talking to a drunk man that was homeless. I don't care where I was going. I'm taking life everywhere I go, and people are going to know that God exists. He's going to know their love. Amen. He's gonna, they're going to know his love, rather, is what I meant to say. Sorry, my, I'm getting all tangled up here with my tongue. But they're going to know about his love as you take the love of God everywhere. Here, are you hearing me? The people said, why are you going to start another church in La Habra? Don't you know that La Habra was in the Guinness Book of World Records in 1996, I believe, or 97? And, and they, there were more churches per capita in the city of La Habra than any city in the nation. And I said, funny thing, the bars haven't closed. The gangs are still tagging the walls. Drugs are still being sold on the street. There's still people being shot and killed. When I used to live at First and Wallace, I witnessed, I didn't witness, but I saw three, or no, three different times where people got shot, stabbed, right outside our house in the, in the ball field. We saw a helicopter come down. What in the world happened? Get back in your house. Okay. But it's like right here, like less than 100 feet out my front door. A helicopter lands in that ball field. Somebody got stabbed. I said, you know, if the city of La Habra's got so many churches, why do we have so many things that are so bad going on? We still need God in this city. We don't need religion. We need the power of God. Amen. We don't need religion. We need the power of God. We need when those homeless people that you've sown into, and everybody that's been on the street ministry knows, you've sown into that. When they need God, they'll come running in here. Amen. They'll come running in here. And amen, the police might chase them in here. They might just end up here, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, by default, but they're here. You know? But I said, yes, another church in La Habra. What are you going to do that the other churches haven't done? I said, we're going to continue to move and operate in the power of God. And we saw demon-possessed people set free, drug addicts come into the church and get set free, methamphetamine addicts. We saw alcoholics. We've seen everything you can imagine. Marriages put back together. When we started this church, I'm watching marriages be put back together. And there was a man, and he had a Sancha in this city. And she got mad, and she kept egging the church, kept egging the church. Every Monday, I'm cleaning up the egg off the church, you know. And here she is, egging the church. And I thought, I'm going to go down there and sit inside and wait for her. Called me up and said, what kind of a priest do you think you are? I said, first of all, I ain't a priest. I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the man that's been preaching to that couple, praying that their marriage get back together, and I can see that the devil's stirred up, and I said, you need to quit egging my church. You need to get in the house of God too. Well, the eggs stopped, praise God. I thought, Lord... God, it ain't today. You'd be catching them eggs. They're so expensive. Praise the Lord. Amen. I 
got to move on here. He said, will they, what are these feeble Jews going to do? They're going to fortify? They're going to actually be built up and matured? Are they going to sacrifice? Are they going to make an end of day? What that actually means is, are they actually going to come to a place of rest and peace? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, you're going to fight in this life. And you're always going to fight a devil here and there. But there are times, I can tell you, that you've fought, you've worked, you've built, and you have peace and harmony in your home. You've broke through in your marriage, and it's blessed. And you and mama aren't fighting like two pit bulls every day. But you're like, you know what, we're getting along. Praise God. Now the devil's going to come and try tomorrow, tonight. Already be prepared. Say, we ain't going to do this. No, no. Got some victories. Is there going to be an end of the day? Yes. A place of rest. A place not taking your ease at Zion, but where you actually say, you know what? There's peace in this home. There's a little money in the bank. We got food on the table. You know? God's brought us to a place of overcoming victory and a place of spiritual maturity. Satan knows. Sanballat knew. A rebuilt Jerusalem was his political death. He was a Samaritan, a half-breed, who wasn't interested in rebuilding the city of God. How sad it is that there are people that say they name the name of Christ, but they're not interested in building people's lives. I certainly hope they don't come to this church. I can tell you, I hope they do. Because not only will they get saved, but you will too. What do you mean? You just heard me. That was a subtle shank. I said, you say, I hope they don't come to this church. I don't want them to come. I've had people say, I don't want them to come to the same church as me. I've even said, I met your, I saw, met somebody that day, they're your family, and I invited them to church, and they're like, oh, bastard. I said, wait a minute. They need Jesus too? Why would you feel that way? Oh, we got a history. God can break that history. I want them to be rebuilt, I want them to be restored. And I promise you this, the Lord will lead me to pray and to preach. And they'll get right or they'll leave. But they need a shot. They need a chance. They need an opportunity. And so, you know, but Sanballat wasn't interested in the kingdom of God, the city of God being restored. He was a Samaritan who wasn't interested in rebuilding the city of God. Are you allied with or someone who does not have God's best interest and eternal interest at heart? Say that again, Pastor. Are you allied with or someone who does not have God's best interest, eternal interest at heart? If you're not obeying God's word and you've convinced yourself that you can be the way you are, you do not have God's interest. You're not interested in building the city of God, you're not interested in building up the body of Christ. Amen. Sanballat was deceived in that. Like the religious. Ain't going to be no healing on the Sabbath day. Jesus said, hide and watch. Stretch forth your hand. 
rather than God heal somebody and, and be like, wow, somebody got healed. They're like, shouldn't have been done today. Doesn't he know the law? I heard recently of a, somebody in a church. Something happened with a relationship. And the pastor went up. And it wasn't a marriage. It was just a, 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 a teenage or a young adult relationship between a, a, a couple. And the pastor said to one of them, no, you, you got to go. I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All of a sudden, the church doesn't believe in restoration and healing and recovery? Because I can tell you, if you can't be in the same room with them, you think you're going to go to heaven with them? Amen. Oh. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. <laughs> just like, just like they told Jesus... Why are your disciples picking corn on the Sabbath? Why are they eating with unwashed hands? He said, don't you realize that the Sabbath was made for them to be blessed and rest. And it's not something that has to be so restrictive that we can't even enjoy it. You're missing it. Like when Judas said, why are we wasting the, the spicknard on Jesus? He didn't like Mary's worship. I've had people say, I don't like the way they shout and dance. I don't like the way. I said, well, you know, now we got so many, you know, it's just pretty much predominantly the whole church. So the people that didn't like it aren't here anymore. Not all of them. There's some that moved away, but there's some that they didn't. I mean, they said things to me at times. They would say, you know, I, I'm not even going to tell you some of the things people said because it would hurt some of your feelings. That's your shepherd that said, Lord. I don't think they belong here, so maybe, maybe, you know, you know, uh, maybe they just need to go on down the road to a church where they fit and you can talk to them because it's obvious that they don't feel comfortable here. You know, I know there's people that have moved away and God moved them somewhere else and they didn't leave for that reason, okay? But there are people that said things to me and I was like, wow, wow, my goodness. But we got to build on and fight against the attack, the hindering attack, as we read earlier in verses 7 and 8. He said they came, they were very angry, and they tried to hinder it. He said, though, in verse 9, nevertheless, in chapter 4, nevertheless, we made our prayers. In spite of everything, I want to encourage you today, keep building. Keep on building. Keep on fighting in spite of everything. See, because the fight, attack, wears us down. That's why the word says don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap if you faint not. Just keep on praying. Pray without ceasing. Keep on trudging away. Keep on plowing in that field. Keep on ministering. Your family will come to Christ. I know the devil's come to attack you because he's dealing with it. When the attack comes, it's because God is working behind the scenes and the devil knows that there is something powerful that's on the horizon. Something victorious, something glorious. So in spite of everything, keep on fighting, keep on building. Count it all joy. How? By praise. What's so awesome is that the enemy wants to, listen to this. 
It's not awesome that he wants to steal your praise, but you've got to know the power of your praise. Because he said in verse 10 that Judah said, you know what? Oh, i got to read it to you. This is, this is a Sunday morning deal, you know. Maybe I should have saved it for Sunday. God told me tonight. But in verse 10, the Bible says, after they said, we're going to make our prayers unto God and watch night and day because of them. Don't you dare take your eyes off that enemy. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You know, Brother Tom shared, shared how that something happened. You, know, you get all these messages and stuff. People will send you messages and stuff. Somebody, somebody sent me, you know, they'll send you a message. Is this you, so-and-so? I'm like, no, wrong number. Well, you were so kind. What's your name? Any normal person would go, sorry, my bad, click. All of a sudden, you want to know my name. You want to have a dialogue with me. It was fate that we crossed paths via text. I said, no, it wasn't fate. It was the devil. I'm not interested. You don't have to worry about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I just blocked your number. Amen. Because I can tell you, I know this ain't my first rodeo. I know how the devil acts and how he plays. I'm going to tell you right now. You will get tripped up if you allow him to take one inch in your life. Are you hearing me? Don't give him one inch. Don't go down that bunny trail. When he brings that thought to your mind, don't respond to it. Don't respond to it. Ten seconds thinking about that. You'll be gone if you're not careful. But Judah started to cave. And they said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there's more rubbish so that we cannot, we're not able to build the wall. And the adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them. And cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places where you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. In other words, they were saying, there's no place that you can hide. You might as well just stop building and come outside of the city of Jerusalem. And the praiser said, you know what? There's so much trash and so much rubbish and so many things. We can't even build. Have you ever been there where you were so overwhelmed? You're working, you're fighting, and it seems like circumstances around you are piling up. And you're just like, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. For just a second, step back. Sit for just a second. Let God minister to you. You can. I know it's overwhelming. I know the enemy comes in like a flood. But God raises up a standard against him. And you know what that standard is? It's the wind of God blowing. That's exactly what it is. It's the wind of God blowing. Amen. It's, that's, read it. Study it. I already did this week. It's the powerful wind of God that blows against the enemy. And you know, when God breathes and blows, things happen. Brother Clendenin said he blew, he blew a walkway right through that Red Sea. You know, everybody acts like it was as wide as this little, you know, wide as the church. I can tell you, no, he, that, do you know how many millions of people? Well, there was only 600,000 men and women and children. There was over a million people that had to cross the Red Sea. And I'm going to say fairly quickly, 
But there, he blew a hole through that thing. Can you imagine? He said, blew a hole through it. But the Bible says, they said, look at all the rubbish. Look at all of this. I'm hurrying, folks. Listen to me. Sometimes, listen. Sometimes circumstances, they come, listen to me, to discourage your faith. Fears of adversaries also come. And people, people will come and say things to you. I've been in hospital rooms where somebody said, you know what, I knew somebody had that and they died. Thank you for the faith. Please. If you're not going to speak life and faith to me in my desperate situation, don't come visit me. <laughs> Sometimes the devil doesn't have to work so hard. People help him. Keep on praising God, though. Keep on preaching. So many lives are depending on what we do. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop working. Don't stop fighting. I'm going to. I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to share something that most of you have heard me say, but some of you haven't that's going to help you tonight. 2003, we came into this building. We were here a few months. Rent was due. It's the end of the month. Angela kept telling me the landlord keeps calling every week. They want to know where the rent is. And I said, we don't have it. And she said, well, I'm just telling you. They keep calling. They keep sending notices. It was a Sunday night, and I got up behind the pulpit, and I was in prayer before the service. Just like here, I sat back in one of them chairs. I can tell you I was probably right here. Or just the one chair up in that seat praying, because that was where my platform was. And I said, God, you've done miracle after miracle after miracle, and here I am in this building. I need $1,900, and we don't have it. You have to move. And I said, I don't believe you're done, but if you're done, I'm done. I'm not going to try to prop something up that you are done with. But you put something in my spirit and my heart, and you have proved to me time and time and time again. Why would you fail me this time? I don't believe it. I said, but I put it on the altar, and I give it to you. You have to perform a miracle. And I got up, and I didn't get up there and mumble around, and poor me. I got in that pulpit, and I preached like there was a thousand people. I preached better than I'm preaching tonight, better than I preached on Sunday morning. I preached. I just poured out my heart, preaching to them. There was about 25 people in the service. I, I had an altar call. We prayed. We closed. And at the end of that service, I was working, and I was fighting at the same time. I was working for the Lord, evangelizing everybody that's there. And I was fighting a devil that was telling me, God's failed you. He's done with you. And at the end of that service, Roland Peterson, who went home to be with the Lord, and his wife too, just a month or two ago, came up to me at the end of the service. He didn't even go to church here full time. He went to Living Waters. And came here every once in a while on Sunday night. And we loved whenever people came because we didn't have that many people. If you had a pulse, I was thankful. 
Al Capone could come in here and I'd say, here, we got a chair for you, brother. I was just thankful for warm bodies to preach to. Amen. And he said, Brother Jonathan, he said, Jenny retired from Verizon. And the Lord spoke to us to pay our tithe here from her retirement. And I thought, I don't know what that means. And he slid that check in my pocket. Well, I didn't want to pull it out and be like, so I gave it a few minutes. He got in his Mercedes, and once he got to the edge of that driveway, and that 300C pulled out, I pulled that check out, and I looked at that check, and if I'm lying, I'm dying, it was $1,900. God said, I have not forgotten you. I heard you. I'm an on-time God. Fighting and working. He said they had a sword in one hand and they had a hammer in the other. They were fighting. They were watching. They were working. We're in a time when we have to work. But we also have to watch because the devil wants to take us out. We got to fight and we got to work. Don't let the enemy discourage you and tell you, you know what? You don't need to work no more. Yeah, you do. You, everybody in here needs to do something for the kingdom. If you're doing nothing, you need, to, you, need to, you need to seek the Lord and find out what he wants you to do. Because there's something for you to do. Amen. There's something. We should be working and we should be fighting. We should be warring for our families. Warring for our loved ones. God is calling us to let us know, do not be discouraged because most of the time you think, man, I'm supposed to be building. Why am I struggling so much? Why am I going through all this? The enemy never started fighting until we started building. I want to tell you something else. We've all been praying for that guy. Who's that guy? BMW. I told his co-worker the other day, I said, you know, our whole church is praying, God bless you. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, keep that up. I said, no, we want him to bless you so he can move you. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me. He said, no, nah, no, nah, you don't want this building. I said, yeah, we do. Oh, yes, we do. I said, we're praying God bless you. Uh, the whole church is. Monday night, I went over there. He said, you know what? They're starting to talk to me about this building over here. He said, pretty soon. Uh-huh. I said, we're building and we're fighting. <laughs> when the time comes, God knows. And there's other things. Who knows what God's going to bust open for us. It's our year of jubilee. It's my year and your year of jubilee. And in this place, if God has done something in your life, this is my altar call tonight. If God has done something for you tonight, this year, 
supernaturally, financially, in your marriage, in your home, with your children. If he's done something and blessed you in some way, I don't care, even if it's just you say, Pastor, he just restored my relationship with him. I want you to stand up. It's the year of Jubilee. It's God's year of building and rebuilding and saving and delivering. He's done something. I can promise you, your miracle is on the horizon. Don't give up. Don't give up. Oh, for just a moment there, I want you to praise him. I want you to give God praise. Right where you're at, just begin to praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
I just thank Jesus tonight that I'm saved and I'm here in the company of people that are saved. Praise God. Because we used to run around with people that we didn't trust. Amen. They may have told you they were your homies, but you had to watch your back sometimes. Come on now. Amen. That ain't even my message. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. But if you <laughs> turn to the Word of God, <laughs> to the book of Nehemiah, amen, fourth chapter. Going to preach a little bit here tonight, and this is what my father used to call a loosely packed crowd, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Getting right into this, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 says this, but it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the walls of Jer Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth, very mad, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. How many knows the devil wants to hinder you? Praise God. He knows he can't stop you if you got faith and you're trusting God, so he wants to hinder you. But he said, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Thank you for the encouragement. That wasn't encouragement, it was actually discouragement, but... A lot of times people say things and they're trying to deter you, but they don't realize that they're discouraging you. But I can tell you, the faithful in God cannot be discouraged. He says, therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons and fight for your daughters and your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to not that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. And it came to pass that from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. Let me just finish this. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, that the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one from another. In what place thereof ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye hither, 
thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one of us, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes saving that everyone put them off for washing. You don't ever take your armor off. Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God, and I pray that you help me, that you anoint me, that you speak through me, that you minister to this congregation tonight. And God, speak this wonderful word unto them and bring encouragement to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And I ask you and thank you. Amen. And amen. I'm preaching a message tonight entitled Building and Fighting. Building and Fighting. And if you know the Word of God, you know that Nehemiah was one of the few that were leaders, that had a vision, that came back to see Jerusalem rebuilt after the 70 years of captivity. And that's all I'm going to say about that part of it because we know enough about the Word of God that God promised through Jeremiah that yes, they would be in 70 years of captivity because of their sin, but there would come a moment and a day and a time when God would release them and they would go back. And it started with Ezra. It started with many others that we see and read in the Word of God. But here is a time when Nehemiah was led by God, led by the Spirit of God into Jerusalem and, and, and God began to use him to begin rebuilding and see the restoration of Jerusalem and Israel at that time. And I'm preaching a message tonight, as I said, building and fighting. Because there are seasons in the Bible with Israel where they built and at other times where they fought. There were times of peace where they were able to build and plant and be at peace. And then there were times whenever they were in war. And you can read that throughout the history. And then there were times it seems like that they were uh, at, at the place where they were doing both. Where they were fighting and they were building. David was one that was trying to establish the kingdom. But he was fighting at the same time. And so we know that God brings us in seasons where we go through times where we're, where we're at peace. And where we're just building and things are well. But then there comes a time whenever we're at a time where we're fighting. And sometimes we're doing both. Can you say amen? I believe that we're, we're, a lot of us are at that place there tonight. And that's my message to us all. Because I believe we are at this place in history in the church where we are warring and we are working. Where we are building and we are fighting. Jude said, because it's a central theme in the word of God. Earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. In other words, fight for it. Contend for it. But he also said, build yourself up on this most holy faith. Amen. He said, build yourself up. He said, be full of the Holy Ghost. He said, keep yourself in the love of God. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So he was working and building. But also he said, fight the good fight of faith. And he said, war a good warfare. No man, amen, I can tell you, doesn't consider that he's going to war and count the cost and know that there is a, 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 a warfare that we have and it's going to cost us something. He told him war a good warfare. He said, 
unto him, endure hardness like a good soldier because you're going to be in war. But he also told him, go into all the world. Well, Jesus said that, but he said, go and be, do the work of an evangelist and begin to, to, to preach the gospel. Peter said, add to your faith, so build upon your faith. Uh, you know, these things, enlarge it, increase it, advance it, see virtuous things come. But he also said there's a roaring lion that's seeking to devour you, so you've got to be sober, you've got to be vigilant, and you've got to know that your adversary is there trying to take you out. So what am I saying to you? That many places in the Bible the apostles said, you're going to war, but you're also going to be working. You're going to be preaching the gospel. But it's a warfare out there. It's a wilderness out there. Even Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, I send you as sheep among wolves. you got to be careful because you're being thrown out into a, into a lion's den, so to speak. But he said, go into all the world and be as wise as serpent and gentle as doves. Go and preach the gospel because there is something I've called you to do as Christians we are builders but we are also warriors and soldiers are you with me tonight we're warriors and we're soldiers amen Sometimes you feel you're only building. Other times you feel like I'm just fighting all the time and it seems like I'm constantly in a battle against the enemy. God is encouraging us tonight with a word for us. Don't be overwhelmed. Know that you're not the only one that's ever been fighting and working at the same time. Building and in a warfare at the same time. So do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you in the fight. He's with you in the building. In fact, He called you to building for such a time as this. And you are built for this. You and I were built for this time. God purposed you and I to be here in this time. We were built for it. We were prepared for it. He's ordained us to be here. So quit saying, I wish I would have lived 40 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. God called you at one of the best times in history to go into all the world and you're going to fight, but you're also going to work. He's developing us. A lot of times people say, why am I in this? It seems like, you know, I want to just work. I don't really want to fight. But it goes hand in hand at times. He's developing us. Nobody is born a soldier or a builder. They become that. They become that. Nobody's born a soldier. They go through boot camp to become a soldier. They answer an enlistment to become a soldier. And they go through and they come out on the other side a different person. Come on. Nobody's born a builder. They learn how to become that. God establishes that in them. I had a man just yesterday ask me, the, the young man that helps train me, and he's helping me to try to get in shape, and we're praying about that. But he said to me, he said, how do you become a pastor? How did you know that you were to call to be a pastor? No, he didn't say call. He said, how do you become a pastor? I said, well, some people go to theological school. And I said, I'm not saying that that's not important. I said, but we need to have a call from God. You're called of God. There's a lot of people that 
that, you know, get educated and they think that's all they need. But what we need is a call from God because if God didn't call you, he won't anoint you to do it. But what he's called you and anointed you to, he's equipped you for, he's called you to, you're the man. Or you're the woman that's called to do that. And I said, but there's people that want to do that as a profession. It's not a profession, it's a call. If it was a profession, I would have quit a long time ago. But it's a call. God said, you can't leave. I called you. Because if you leave and you don't do and finish the work I've called you to, then you're in disobedience. And you're going to stand before me and people's blood will drip from your hands because you didn't obey my voice. So you have to be called to that. I don't have a degree in theology, but I do have one in neology. You hear me? Because I get down on my knees and pray it through. What Bible school did you go to? I said the same one the Apostle Paul went to. Amen. He's developing you and I. These Jews were builders in the making, soldiers in boot camp. Let us glean from their experiences. What do we glean, Pastor? Number one, anything to advance the kingdom of God is going to cost you. Anything to advance the kingdom of God is going to cost you. If you want advancement in your family and you want your family that's lost and undone and wicked, some of them, it's going to cost you. You're going to get on your face and you're going to pray it through to victory. You can speak to your blue in the face, but except God begins to deal with them, they're not going to come to Christ. But if you get on your face and you begin to deal with them, He will draw them by His Spirit. It wasn't that long ago we were having prayer meeting, and there was somebody about two or three years ago that God put upon my heart, and I got down over there and I began to weep and cry on a Monday night, and I said, God, deal with their heart. Draw them because I know that you want them to have more. I want them to experience your presence. And the very next morning, they were sitting in here at 6 o'clock in the morning. God taught me something that I already knew. He said, you're not going to do it by your words because your words are nothing except I anoint them. But he said, when, I, when you pray, you're praying in the secret place and I'm rewarding it openly. So, you have to understand there's a cost. I want somebody to grow in the Lord. Begin to pray for them. Because you're going to say things to them that's going to make them mad. But when God deals with them whenever nobody even talked to them, then he gets the glory and the only one they can get mad at is him. And you can't get mad at God. Oh, well, people said, I, I don't care what people said. If they say you get mad at God or I'm angry at God or I had to forgive God, you need to tell me you need to get on your face and repent. Because I can tell you right now, God's God. The reason people are foolish and say those kind of things is because they do not understand the fear of the Lord. We must have the fear of God. Not a fear that is, 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 is not the right kind of fear, but a fear that he's a thrice holy God. He can put my backside in hell. If but for the grace of God, I'd be there tonight. He's a God of grace and mercy. It's foolish to say, I had to forgive God. No, you didn't. You need to ask God to forgive you, you heathen. Come on now. Don't you realize that you're just an ant in the, uh, in the, in the eyes of God? Think about me being who I am and a little old ant telling me, you, I need to forgive you. Really? 
Now, God doesn't do that, and I'm not saying that he's, that's the way he is. I'm telling you the stupidity of people that don't realize who God is. You know, I saw just a video of this, this, this uh, man who's supposed to be over this church that just is, you know, 31 flavors. Whatever, whoever, whenever. You know, God's this, God's that, God's this, God's gay, God's trans, God's... No, he's not. No, he's not. When you begin to say all this stuff, lightning went like that. And I thought, I'd get up and run out of that building. What God was saying is, you better listen to what you're saying. I could strike you dead right here and right now. Come on now. I'm not any of those things that you've lied to those people and said, I am. I'm a holy God. I'm a holy God. We need to glean from their experiences that we read here in the Word and know that to advance the kingdom of God is going to cost. And the alternative is the status quo in its rubble, broken walls, and gates because that's where it was. If we don't move in and pay the price, if we don't step out in faith, which is defined as R-I-S-K, did you hear me? Because people say, I stepped out in faith. You don't step out in faith unless it costs you something. Amen. You don't step out in faith the easy way. You don't go into, that's why Nehemiah went. And yeah, there were those with him, but he understood something. He knew, except the Lord goes with me, I'm on my own. God has to help me. I can have an army as big as Dallas, but I have to have the power of God because God can take out 185,000 people in one second. That's what happened in the Bible. He can take out an army of a multitude of masses of people. But, oh my goodness, let me catch my breath. There is an alternative to not paying the price and advancing the kingdom. And it's letting things stay as they are. Yeah, we can let them stay in their lost condition and not talk to them. We can let them stay in their bound up condition and not pray for them. But I can tell you they're going to be in the rubble. They're going to be in the wasteland. They're going to be at a place where it's just the same thing over and over. And they're in despair. And God doesn't get glory out of people living in a place of, 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 of disobedience and a place of destruction you got to look at people and say, I know they're a drug addict, but they can be set free and be a testimony for Christ. I know they don't seem to have anything going for them. And they, you know, their whole life is just a big old train wreck of a mess or tore up from the floor up. But I know that born again, they can be something for the kingdom of God and bring glory to God. What you and I have to understand is that even though we see in them or see in the situation like with Israel. Everything's just a mess. It seems hopeless. you got to understand there's a promise that's awaiting activation. God wants to activate His promise. That was so weak. God wants to activate His promise. And He activates His promise through His people. Amen. He activates His promise through His people. You know... I remember Ron Hudson telling me he was in a meeting back in the 40s or 50s. And he said he went over. And there was a man sitting in a wheelchair or a woman, I forget. But he said he went over there and he said the Holy Spirit told him. I believe it was a woman said, told her, get up. Just get up. You know, 
and, and, and fear come upon him. But Lord, what if that's just me? What if it's not you? What if it's God? Amen. And he went over and he said, you want to be healed? Get up. And he said, the woman stood up and God healed her right there out of that wheelchair. And the whole church was in revival because somebody awaiting the promise saw it activated by action. Faith means you got to step out. Come on. In chapter 2, verse 17, listen to this. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 17, Then said I unto them, this is Nehemiah, You see the distresses that we are in, and how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the walls of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I love this. Yes, the vision was given to Nehemiah. Listen, church, I'm going to give you some good stuff here tonight. Yes, the vision was given to Nehemiah, but it's always for a purpose that's bigger than one man. God spoke a vision to me in 1999 to start this church, but I didn't realize it was bigger than one man until years later. It's much bigger than me. You have caught that vision And many of you are doing what God put in my heart to go into this city and be a lighthouse and win people and see them come off of drugs, see them come out of the streets, see them come out of the homelessness, see them come out of all of the things that the devil tries and or has them bound by and in captivity. He said, go. He said, I've told you to go and preach and see those prison doors opened. But one, the vision that God gave Nehemiah was bigger than just Nehemiah. Man, without a vision, people perish. The Bible says, if you don't have a vision for your family, it'll perish. If you don't have a vision for your marriage, it'll perish. Everybody should have a a vision retreat for themselves every year where you take a few days and you get away and you say this is what I want to see well you get the mind of God and he tells you what he wants to see but then you say Lord I'm going to pray I want my family to be closer to God I want my children grandchildren neighbors to be saved I want this and that this is my heart's cry you need I want a, a greater marriage I want a more uh, you know intimate marriage I want a more spiritual marriage I want my wife and I to grow in your grace I want us to be you know powerhouses for the kingdom of God I want to please you amen God I want to be a worshiper I want to give more than I've ever given I want to be a worker that's fighting for the kingdom and working for the kingdom. we got to have a vision for our families, a vision for our home, a vision for our church. And you've got a visionary. i got a vision. And it's to see God move and save people and disciple people. It's bigger than one person. It's bigger than one man. God's vision started with Nehemiah's burden, 
but it was God's heart. My city's in ruin. He desires, his desire rather, is to remove the distress, the waste places, the reproach, and rebuild and restore. People come and they say, this marriage is over. There's nothing left. Well, Sister Skiles and I learned a long time ago that you can fight for anything. You must fight for it. You must fight for it. How many times, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but how many times have people in their marriages said, I'm done, and I'm done, and I'm walking away, and I'm not going to fight for it. I can tell you that you ought to fight for it. Praise God. You need to fight for it. It's going to cost you to build it. It's going to cost you investment. And it's also going to cost you fighting the devil tooth and toenail and coming against every thought that comes to tell you to walk away and to quit and give up. It's not worth it. And the devil will tell you, you can get somebody else. Let me tell you, you may get somebody else, but you're going to end up with somebody worse than the one you've got. You ought to stay with what you've got and let God do something of salvation and restoration in that marriage. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody tonight. There's people in here and down deep inside you have had thoughts and you have had things that have come across your mind and your spirit that the devil has brought across your mind and your spouse doesn't even know. Don't tell them. Take it to God and crucify it. Doesn't he know how good I look? Doesn't she know what she's got? Folks, the devil's a liar. Newsflash. He's a liar. See, what happens is people get out there. I know I'm on a bunny trail right now, but people get out there, and they realize how much garbage is really out there. Look, Pastor, I'm telling you, you know, 20 years ago, before you had all this internet dating sites and all these things, you had to go and you had to meet somebody. And, you, you know, you shook their hand and you saw their body language. You found out if they were a creep or not. Now you see their best picture on Facebook and you're like, wow, they look great. They look like that five years ago. They don't look like that today. Catfish, Okay. And it's worse, and I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to tell you right now. Maybe I will go there. Stay off of those sites. Stay off of those sites. You don't know who's going to show up at your door. You don't know who is going to take you for everything you've got. Come on now. Oh, they tell you all kinds of things. Oh, my my God, come on. I'm going to move on here. Praise God. His desire, God's desire, is to remove the distresses and the waste places and the reproach and rebuild and restore. That is what God was after through Nehemiah. Nehemiah had to see it and have the first vision. And then he went and he began to espouse that, uh, that vision and began to give it and impart it to the people. And they got behind him. 
They got behind him. If somebody's got faith and they're not, they're not afraid to lay it all on the line. And that was Nehemiah. He wasn't afraid to stand in the face of the king and be sad and put himself out there. Because if you're going to step out in faith, you can never do it the safe way. Never. Oh, pastor, how can you say that? Because I did it. I quit my job. I walked off of my job. I left everything. I walked away from my ministries. I walked, and everybody looked at me, and they said, you're a fool. From my employment, even to people in ministry, they looked at me, and they said, you're crazy. You're throwing away your ministry, everything that you've sown to. And I said to them, but God called me. I cannot do it the safe way. I have to do it the way God told me. And when you make a decision, and he says, they put all in, I'm in. When you got skin in the game, God's not going to let you have more skin than he's got. The problem is a lot of people don't have any skin in the game. Come on. Verse 18, he reminds them of what God said. It's faith. It's the promise. And faith that births or begets faith. I remember whenever I was coming into this building and we were just at the one building here we had 2,000 square feet and that was everything to me I'm telling you it cost me everything and I remember thinking Lord this is so expensive but I'm going to trust you and I don't know where the money's going to come from but I'm going to trust you and Cleta Cook came up and she said I'm behind you God spoke to me. I said, oh, praise God. He spoke to me to give you a portion of my inheritance. I said, oh, I can tell you she's got an inheritance in glory today because of the check that she wrote for this church. Mike Almanza giving me that, you know, suburban and saying, sell it. And I sold it. And we were able to come into this building. And we were able to, you know, fix it and make it a church. Because somebody said, I'm behind you, Pastor. You've got a vision, but I'm behind you. I know that we can't do anything without an investment. There is no blessing without a sacrifice. God promised them that. Their faith encouraged my faith. And I started out saying, this is what we're going to do. You know, the devil hates growth. He don't mind infection growth. But he don't want Holy Ghost growth. He don't want, uh, you know, character growth. He doesn't want you to grow in faith or grow as a Christian. He hates growth. And people that are built up. And people that are restored. And people that are strong. When people come to remind you of what you used to be, just tell them, you know what, God forgave that. He threw it in the sea. He doesn't remember it. Why do you? (laughs) I had a friend of mine in high school when I went back years later. You know, just sharing with people, they don't know nothing about my life 25 years later. Got a church, serving God, seeing miracle after miracle after miracle. They don't know nothing about my life. Told them I'm pastoring and this and that. Oh my gosh, I just can't believe God saved you. I was like, me either. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) sorry that you thought I was so horrible, and I know I was, but but I can tell you right now, he loves me. (laughs) 
Amen. He's got high hopes for me. He's got faith in me. Amen. And I've got faith in him. But please, church, let's build people up. Let's encourage them. Let's begin to strengthen them. Because the devil hates growth. The devil hates restoration. The devil hates when you're strong or built up. That's why he's always trying to come against your source of strength. Your prayer life. You being in the word. Your faithfulness. That's why he's always trying to keep you out of the house of God. Uh huh. That's why Satan convinces people. Stay in the rubble. Remain unforgiving. Remain holding grudges. Remain resentful and jealous. As if that somehow makes you of a superior character. Pride is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Amen. And people, a lot of times there's pride and things that they say are righteous indignation. No, it's not. Amen. I only saw Jesus one time, two times flip over those tables in righteous indignation. He was very upset because they were defiling the house of God. <laughs> Let me tell you something, don't ever make Jesus anything he's not. Don't ever make God something that he's not. But we need to understand something that God is calling us to be like Christ. We may fail at it, but we ought to try every day. We ought to put our hands to the plow and begin to, you know, strive to be like Christ. Strive to walk in his spirit. Strive to carry and walk in his character. God's in the rebuilding, restoring business. And they never had a fight until they started building. Do you think about that? You never had a fight until you surrendered your life to the Lord. People in your family never came against you until you started serving God. And now all of a sudden, they're your arch enemy. Amen. I know I got saved and I come home and people were mad. I thought, Lord, if you knew where I was and what I did, you wouldn't be so mad. Amen. Come on now. But you get saved and then all of a sudden everybody turns on you. Your best friend, or I shouldn't say best friend, but the person that loved you on the job, all of a sudden now doesn't want to sit by you, doesn't want to talk to you, doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Did you ever notice that? I always tell people, you don't have to get rid of their friends. Just serve Jesus and be real and serious and they'll get rid of you. They'll either get right or they'll leave. Man, you know I'm telling you the truth. The great attack upon you and I. Because remember we're building and we're warring at the same time. But the greatest attack that we have that we're up against is, is that of unbelief. In chapter 4, i got to move on here, man. In verse 1 it says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, he was mad, and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Mocked them. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Let me give you a piece of advice today, believer. You that may even be struggling. I read in the word of God, he said, a smoking flax and a bruised reed he will not despise. He's not going to come over and go, well, they're not on fire. They're feeble, so I'll just put it out. No, God protects that. He sees you in your feebleness. He sees you in your broken down. 
down that's trying to build again, trying to fight against that which has come against you. He sees you, and he's not going to put out that flax. He's not going to say, you know what, let's just smother it. No, he's going to do everything he can do to blow upon it, put some oil upon it, begin to breathe upon you. When you're bruised, he's not going to come over and kick you when you're down. I've even had people come up and they said, Pastor, you need to kick him to the curb. I said, hey, did God kick you to the curb? I don't see you in the gutter, brother. And believe me, you had some kickable offenses. Aren't you thankful I put my arm around you and God put his arm around you and he loved you? But Sanballat attacks and he attacks to bring unbelief. You've got to get this. His attack came to bring discouragement, which is unbelief. Did you hear me? Because when you're discouraged, you don't believe what God has said about your situation. I'm not encouraged by the word. I'm discouraged even though I know what God said. I've been saying it and I'll say it again. It's not deception until you believe the lie. The lie may come, but until you believe it. You're just fighting against a devil that's bringing accusation and bringing lies. But Sanballat's attack was to bring unbelief. Discouragement is unbelief. Fear is a form of unbelief. We cannot believe the lie. Intimidation is unbelief. Because you forgot who you were in Christ. The closer you get to God, the more confident you will be. Not conceited, confident. I'm confident. Amen. Amen. If I'm conceited, I'm going to say a lot of things to try to defend myself. But if I'm confident, you can say whatever you want to say, and I'm going to stand there and be like, you know what? I got my armor on. Amen. I know what God says about me, and I know how I feel about Him. Hallelujah. But all things are possible. All things are possible. God called them to a cause. He called them to a purpose. He called Nehemiah to stir up the the people of Israel and the Jews for a purpose. And Sanballat is a type of the devil's devices, his accusations and his intimidation to get us to miss the mark. Because unbelief is sin and it's missing the mark. So don't believe the lie. Believe what God says. Only believe that all things are possible. He mocked the Jews, Sanballat did. He called them feeble Jews. Will they fortify? Will they actually be established with walls? Yes, they will. And yes, they did. Will they sacrifice? Will they be at a place where God will actually hear them? Have you ever seen somebody get right with God and somebody would say, Well, you know what? I don't even know if they're right with God. You don't know their heart. You don't know how they prayed. You don't know the cry that they've cried out to God. Will they sacrifice? Will they hear from God? Will they receive from God worship? I mean, will they receive? Will God receive their worship as acceptable unto Him? I can tell you, in Christ, as you worship God and you realize that you're nothing and He's everything, He will accept the worship in Christ. They said to me when we started this church, another church in La Habra, what will you do that somebody else hasn't done? I said, I, I have one vision, and that's to bring life to this city. That's to bring life to this city. 
And everywhere I went, I took the life of God with me. I don't care if I was talking to gang members on the street. I don't care if I was talking to a drunk man that was homeless. I don't care where I was going. I'm taking life everywhere I go, and people are going to know that God exists. He's going to know their love. Amen. He's gonna, they're going to know his love, rather, is what I meant to say. Sorry, my, I'm getting all tangled up here with my tongue. But they're going to know about his love as you take the love of God everywhere. Here, are you hearing me? The people said, why are you going to start another church in La Habra? Don't you know that La Habra was in the Guinness Book of World Records in 1996, I believe, or 97? And, and they, there were more churches per capita in the city of La Habra than any city in the nation. And I said, funny thing, the bars haven't closed. The gangs are still tagging the walls. Drugs are still being sold on the street. There's still people being shot and killed. When I used to live at First in Wallace, I witnessed, I didn't witness, but I saw three, or no, three different times where people got shot, stabbed, right outside our house. In the, in the ball field, we saw a helicopter come down. What in the world happened? Get back in your house. Okay. But it's like right here, like less than 100 feet out my front door. A helicopter lands in that ball field. Somebody got stabbed. I said, you know, if the city of La Habra's got so many churches, why do we have so many things that are so bad going on? We still need God in this city. We don't need religion. We need the power of God. Amen. We don't need religion. We need the power of God. We need when those homeless people that you've sown into, and everybody that's been on the street ministry knows, you've sown into that. When they need God, they'll come running in here. Amen. They'll come running in here. And amen, the police might chase them in here. They might just end up here, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, by default, but they're here. You know? But I said, yes, another church in La Habra. What are you going to do that the other churches haven't done? I said, we're going to continue to move and operate in the power of God. And we saw demon-possessed people set free, drug addicts come into the church and get set free, methamphetamine addicts. We saw alcoholics. We've seen everything you can imagine. Marriages put back together. When we started this church, I'm watching marriages be put back together. And there was a man, and he had a Sancha in this city. And she got mad, and she kept egging the church, kept egging the church. Every Monday, I'm cleaning up the egg off the church, you know. And here she is, egging the church. And I thought, I'm going to go down there and sit inside and wait for her. Called me up and said, what kind of a priest do you think you are? I said, first of all, I ain't a priest. I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the man that's been preaching that couple, praying that their marriage get back together, and I can see that the devil's stirred up, and I said, you need to quit egging my church. You need to get in the house of God too. Well, the egg stopped, praise God. I thought, Lord... God, it ain't today. You'd be catching them eggs. They're so expensive. Praise the Lord. Amen. I 
got to move on here. He said, will they, what are these feeble Jews going to do? They're going to fortify? They're going to actually be built up and matured? Are they going to sacrifice? Are they going to make an end of day? What that actually means is, are they actually going to come to a place of rest and peace? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, you're going to fight in this life. And you're always going to fight a devil here and there. But there are times, I can tell you, that you've fought, you've worked, you've built, and you have peace and harmony in your home. You've broke through in your marriage, and it's blessed. And you and mama aren't fighting like two pit bulls every day. But you're like, you know what, we're getting along. Praise God. Now the devil's going to come and try tomorrow, tonight. Already be prepared. Say, we ain't going to do this. No, no. Got some victories. Is there going to be an end of the day? Yes. A place of rest. A place not taking your ease at Zion, but where you actually say, you know what? There's peace in this home. There's a little money in the bank. We got food on the table. You know? God's brought us to a place of overcoming victory and a place of spiritual maturity. Satan knows. Sanballat knew a rebuilt Jerusalem was his political death. He was a Samaritan, a half-breed, who wasn't interested in rebuilding the city of God. How sad it is that there are people that say they name the name of Christ, but they're not interested in building people's lives. I certainly hope they don't come to this church. I can tell you, I hope they do. Not only will they get saved, but you will too. What do you mean? You just heard me. That was a subtle shank. I said, you say, I hope they don't come to this church. I don't want them to come. I've had people say, I don't want them to come to the same church as me. I've even said, I met your, I saw, met somebody that day, they're your family, and I invited them to church, and they're like, oh, pastor. I said, wait a minute, they need Jesus too? Why would you feel that way? Oh, we got a history. God can break that history. I want them to be rebuilt. I want them to be restored. And I promise you this, the Lord will lead me to pray and to preach. And they'll get right or they'll leave. But they need a shot. They need a chance. They need an opportunity. And so, you know, but Sanballat wasn't interested in the kingdom of God, the city of God being restored. He was a Samaritan who wasn't interested in rebuilding the city of God. Are you allied with or someone who does not have God's best interest and eternal interest at heart? Mm. Say that again, Pastor. Are you allied with or someone who does not have God's best interest, eternal interest at heart? If you're not obeying God's word and you've convinced yourself that you can be the way you are, you do not have God's interest. You're not interested in building the city of God, you're not interested in building up the body of Christ. Amen. Sanballat was deceived in that. Like the religious. Ain't going to be no healing on the Sabbath day. Jesus said, hide and watch. Stretch forth your hand. 
rather than God heal somebody and, and be like, wow, somebody got healed. They're like, shouldn't have been done today. Doesn't he know the law? I heard recently of a somebody in a church. Something happened with a relationship. And the pastor went up. And it wasn't a marriage. It was just a, 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 a teenage or a young adult relationship between a, a, a couple. And the pastor said to one of them, no, you, you got to go. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. All of a sudden, the church doesn't believe in restoration and healing and recovery? Because I can tell you, if you can't be in the same room with them, you think you're going to go to heaven with them? Amen. Oh. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. Just like, just like they told Jesus, why are your disciples picking corn on the Sabbath? Why are they eating with unwashed hands? He said, don't you realize that the Sabbath was made for them to be blessed and rest and it's not something that has to be so restrictive that we can't even enjoy it? You're missing it. Like when Judas said, why are we wasting the, the spicknard on Jesus? He didn't like Mary's worship. I've had people say, I don't like the way they shout and dance. I don't like the way. I said, well. You know, now we got so many, you know, it's just pretty much predominantly the whole church. So the people that didn't like it aren't here anymore. Not all of them. There's some that moved away, but there's some that they didn't, I mean, they said things to me at times. They would say, you know, I, I'm not even going to tell you some of the things people said because it would hurt some of your feelings. That's your shepherd that said, Lord, I don't think they belong here. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, you know, uh. Maybe they just need to go on down the road to a church where they fit and you can talk to them because it's obvious that they don't feel comfortable here. You know, I know there's people that have moved away and God moved them somewhere else and they didn't leave for that reason, okay? But there are people that said things to me and I was like, wow, wow, my goodness. But we got to build on and fight against the attack, the hindering attack as we read earlier in verses 7 and 8, he said they came, they were very angry, and they tried to hinder it. He said, though, in verse 9, nevertheless, in chapter 4, nevertheless, we made our prayers. In spite of everything, I want to encourage you today, keep building. Keep on building. Keep on fighting. In spite of everything. See, because the fight, attack, wears us down. That's why the Word says, don't be weary in well-doing. Because you will reap if you faint not. Just keep on praying. Pray without ceasing. Keep on trudging away. Keep on plowing in that field. Keep on ministering. Your family will come to Christ. I know the devil's come to attack you because he's dealing with it. When the attack comes, it's because God is working behind the scenes and the devil knows that there is something powerful that's on the horizon. Something victorious, something glorious. So in spite of everything, keep on fighting, keep on building. Count it all joy. How? By praise. What's so awesome is that the enemy wants to, listen to this. 
It's not awesome that he wants to steal your praise, but you've got to know the power of your praise. Because he said in verse 10 that Judah said, you know what? Oh, i got to read it to you. This is, this is a Sunday morning deal, you know. Maybe I should have saved it for Sunday. God told me tonight. But in verse 10, the Bible says, after they said, we're going to make our prayers unto God and watch night and day because of them. Don't you dare take your eyes off that enemy. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You know, Brother Tom shared shared how that something happened. You, know, you get all these messages and stuff. People will send you messages and stuff. Somebody, somebody sent me, you know, they'll send you a message. Is this you, so-and-so? I'm like, no, wrong number. Well, you were so kind. What's your name? Any normal person would go, sorry, my bad, click. All of a sudden, you want to know my name. You want to have a dialogue with me. It was fate that we crossed paths via text. I said, no, it wasn't fate. It was the devil. I'm not interested. You don't have to worry about it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I just blocked your number. Amen. Amen. Because I can tell you, I know this ain't my first rodeo. I know how the devil acts and how he plays. I'm going to tell you right now. You will get tripped up if you allow him to take one inch in your life. Are you hearing me? Don't give him one inch. Don't go down that bunny trail. When he brings that thought to your mind, don't respond to it. Don't respond to it. Ten seconds thinking about that. You'll be gone if you're not careful. But Judah started to cave. And they said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there's more rubbish so that we cannot... We're not able to build the wall. And the adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places where you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. In other words, they were saying, There's no place that you can hide. You might as well just stop building and come outside of the city of Jerusalem. And the praiser said, You know what? There's so much trash and so much rubbish and so many things. We can't even build. Have you ever been there where you are so overwhelmed? You're working, you're fighting, and it seems like circumstances around you are piling up, and you're just like, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. For just a second, step back. Sit for just a second. Let God minister to you. You can. I know it's overwhelming. I know the enemy comes in like a flood, but God raises up a standard against him. And you know what that standard is? It's the wind of God blowing. That's exactly what it is. It's the wind of God blowing. Amen. It's, that's, read it, study it. I already did this week. It's the powerful wind of God that blows against the enemy. And you know when God breathes and blows, things happen. Brother Clendenin said he blew he blew a walkway right through that Red Sea. You know, everybody acts like it was as wide as this little, you know, wide as the church. I can tell you, no. He, that, do you know how many millions of people? Well, there was only 600,000 men and women and children. There was over a million people that had to cross the Red Sea. And I'm going to say fairly quickly. 
But there, he blew a hole through that thing. Can you imagine? He said, blew a hole through it. But the Bible says, they said, look at all the rubbish. Look at all of this. I'm hurrying, folks. Listen to me. Sometimes, listen, sometimes circumstances, they come, listen to me, to discourage your faith. Fears of adversaries also come. And people People will come and say things to you. I've been in hospital rooms where somebody said, you know what, I knew somebody had that and they died. Thank you for the faith. Please, if you're not going to speak life and faith to me in my desperate situation, don't come visit me. Sometimes the devil doesn't have to work so hard. People help him. Keep on praising God, though. Keep on preaching. So many lives are depending on what we do. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop working. Don't stop fighting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right here, and I'm going to share something that most of you have heard me say, but some of you haven't that's going to help you tonight. 2003, we came into this building. We were here a few months. Rent was due. It's the end of the month. Angela kept telling me the landlord keeps calling every week. They want to know where the rent is. And I said, we don't have it. And she said, well, I'm just telling you. They keep calling. They keep sending notices. It was a Sunday night. And I got up behind the pulpit. And I was in prayer before the service. Just like here, I sat back in one of them chairs. I can tell you I was probably right here. So just the one chair up in that seat praying because that was where my platform was. And I said, God, you've done miracle after miracle after miracle. And here I am in this building. I need $1,900 and we don't have it. You have to move. And I said, I don't believe you're done, but if you're done, I'm done. I'm not going to try to prop something up that you are done with. But you put something in my spirit and my heart, and you have proved to me time and time and time again. Why would you fail me this time? I don't believe it. I said, but I put it on the altar, and I give it to you. You have to perform a miracle. And I got up, and I didn't get up there and mumble around and, poor me. I got in that pulpit, and I preached like there was a 1,000 people I preach better than I'm preaching tonight, better than I preached on Sunday morning. I preached. I just poured out my heart preaching to them. There was about 25 people in the service. I, I had an altar call. We prayed. We closed. And at the end of that service, I was working and I was fighting at the same time. I was working for the Lord, evangelizing everybody that's there. And I was fighting a devil that was telling me, God's failed you. He's done with you. And at the end of that service, Roland Peterson, who went home to be with the Lord, and his wife too, just a month or two ago, came up to me at the end of the service. He didn't even go to church here full time. He went to Living Waters and came here every once in a while on Sunday night. And we loved whenever people came because we didn't have that many people. If you had a pulse, I was thankful 
Al Capone could come in here and I'd say, here, we got a chair for you, brother. I was just thankful for warm bodies to preach to. Amen. And he said, Brother Jonathan, he said, Jenny retired from Verizon. And the Lord spoke to us to pay our tithe here from her retirement. And I thought, I don't know what that means. And he slid that check in my pocket. Well, I didn't want to pull it out and be like. So I gave it a few minutes. He got in his Mercedes, and once he got to the edge of that driveway, and that 300C pulled out, I pulled that check out, and I looked at that check, and if I'm lying, I'm dying, it was $1,900. God said, I have not forgotten you. I heard you. I'm an on-time God. Fighting and working. He said they had a sword in one hand and they had a hammer in the other. They were fighting. They were watching. They were working. We're in a time when we have to work. But we also have to watch. Because the devil wants to take us out. We got to fight and we got to work. Don't let the enemy discourage you and tell you, you know what? You don't need to work no more. Yeah, you do. You, everybody in here needs to do something for the kingdom. If you're doing nothing, you need, to, you, need to, you need to seek the Lord and find out what he wants you to do. Because there's something for you to do. Amen. There's something. We should be working and we should be fighting. We should be warring for our families. Warring for our loved ones. God is calling us to let us know, do not be discouraged because most of the time you think, man, I'm supposed to be building. Why am I struggling so much? Why am I going through all this? The enemy never started fighting until we started building. I want to tell you something else. We've all been praying for that guy. Who's that guy? BMW. I told his co-worker the other day, I said, you know, our whole church is praying, God bless you. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, keep that up. I said, no, we want him to bless you so he can move you. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me. He said, no, nah, no, nah, you don't want this building. I said, yeah, we do. Oh, yes, we do. I said, we're praying God bless you. Uh, the whole church is. Monday night, I went over there. He said, you know what? They're starting to talk to me about this building over here. He said, pretty soon. Uh-huh. I said, we're building and we're fighting. <laughs> when the time comes, God knows. And there's other things. Who knows what God's going to bust open for us. It's our year of jubilee. It's my year and your year of jubilee. And in this place, if God has done something in your life, this is my altar call tonight. If God has done something for you tonight, this year, 
supernaturally, financially, in your marriage, in your home, with your children. If he's done something and blessed you in some way, I don't care, even if it's just you say, Pastor, he just restored my relationship with him. I want you to stand up. It's the year of Jubilee. It's God's year of building and rebuilding and saving and delivering. He's done something. I can promise you, your miracle is on the horizon. Don't give up. Don't give up. Oh, for just a moment there, I want you to praise him. I want you to give God praise. Right where you're at, just begin to praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.